episode of Steve A.G. Uh, with my guest, Brody Stevens, and I think this officially makes him um, the guest who's appeared on my podcast more than any other guest, although I think he already held that title, but uh, he just increased it by another episode with this one. Um, I recorded this a couple weeks ago at Brody's apartment in the Valley, and um, it's Brody. You know him, you love him. I I don't have a lot else. Uh, I don't have a lot of other stuff to say about this other than uh, I enjoy Brody, and I hope you enjoy it. And um, yeah, while you're uh, on the Feral site, if you feel like going to Amazon and buying some shit, click the link on my page. You can go buy your shit, and I get a little bit of a kickback, and uh, it costs nothing else to you. So it helps in these troubled times. And um, that's it. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoy Brody. Push. Yes. Positive energy. Thanks for listening. Bye. I love you. Everything you need. Get any props that you need. Do you have a scissors? Do you need scissors? I cut this off. I have a wristband. For the listeners. I thought... Oh, we drop scissors. Brody dropped scissors almost hit me in the on the foot. And I'm only wearing slippers. I'm wearing a wristband. I went to a show last night. Who'd you see? Eels. Oh yeah. At the Fonda. It was really good. Do you like do you like them? I think I know maybe one song or two. I wouldn't consider myself a fan, but I'm not saying that uh I wouldn't be in the future. I'm going to put on my headphones. Okay. Do I need headphones? I mean, you're wearing them. Do you have a splitter for the headphones? Uh, no. No. I don't I don't need them. Okay. Plug pl- plug in, Brody. Oh, you don't need them? No. I just needed to make sure the volume was okay. Well, if you don't need them, I don't need them. If you're not going to use them, I won't use we them. We don't need them then. Say batteries and like beats. Do you like those? Do you like those Dr. Dre beats? Are they too bassy? Check, check, two, two. Stephen Brody Stevens, you got it. Um, They can be. I don't use them all that much. I've only been using them for podcasts recently. Sometimes if I'm on YouTube, on my computer, I'll do that. But... uh, I mean, I'm not anti-beats, but it seems like Skull Candy's making a run at them. I, uh, there, there are these headphones at, um, what, what's the place over on Ventura and Laurel? Best Buy? No, no. Ventura and Laurel. Uh, right next to the drugstore. Um, the, the hipster, give me a shake. The hipster store. Urban Outfitters, Urban is Outfitters. what we like to call it. <laughs> they have, uh. They have these headphones that are fucking awesome. They're on the on-ear headphones. They don't cover your whole ear, but um, you can the cord. You can pull it out and and uh, flip it, and you can have either a quarter-inch jack or an eighth-inch jack. Right. 
which I like. Why would you want an eighth at the bigger jack? Well, for plugging it, like uh, like when I record like music and stuff. Oh, so like it's more, it's more heavy duty. Yeah, it's a good product. It's yeah. not just one of their yeah, you know, fly by night flimsy. <laughs> no, product. you're you're telling me you can get a <laughs> prosumer. Is that what they call What's it? What's a prosumer? Like professional and consumer in between. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I don't think it's prosumer. It's it's not something like a producer would want for recording because it doesn't cover your whole ear. Right. Uh. Does it look good? Does it feel good? It's Does just it a sound standard good? black headphone. They sound really good. I want to say they're by like Marshall, like the company that makes Marshall guitars or amps. You know what's a good headphone? The iPhone. The iPhone yeah. headphones. They're good. The new ones. Do you have the? Oh, you have older ones. There's newer ones. Oh, those are old school. Why are these old? The new ones with the iPhone five have different, more streamlined earbuds. Really? Yeah. My friend uh, Rob, my uh, my writing partner Rob Schraub, uh, he had to stop using these like Apple headphones because he was using them at the gym. Sweat to, to work out. No, no, it, it's apparently not good to have headphones in your ear. He's like he's gotten like pretty bad tinnitus because of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Sometimes I get. I, I do not have tinnitus, but I know what it is. And I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I have it really bad. You have tinnitus? Yeah, because I played in bands for years. I can't... When I go to bed at night, I have to have, like, a radio or... I have a sound machine that makes, like, white noise. Yeah. Because if I'm laying in absolute dead silence, I hear a... Oh, really? That will fucking make me go insane. Yeah, I... I I'm, I'm not at that... Uh, at that level, thank God. I listen to the radio. Like, I, I'm knock on wood. I'm able to fall asleep pretty... I, I've been good with it. I've never had to take an Ambien or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, me neither. I fall asleep. But I do listen to the radio. I'll listen to talk radio or I'll listen to one of my sets. And I usually fall... Or I'll, you know, <laughs> you, know, you got to listen to your, you you know, your comedy if you have a good set that night or a bad set. Yeah. I mean, you should ask... But comedian. you'll go to sleep listening to your sets. I've done that, yes. So did the audiences. Oh, how dare you. <laughs> but I usually last maybe five minutes listening to my set, and I just fall asleep, yeah. and then talk radio or the internet, I fall asleep. I've been blessed being lucky to, you know, sleep for some reason, you know? I know people have those problems, but... Uh, I'm kind of in, an insomniac, but uh, it's not a problem. Like, if I'm awake at two or three in the morning, I just... You know, I'll write or do something. I don't like get in my head about it. You know, right? And then I can sleep in. You're an artist. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. That's the great thing about being an artist. You could stay up late and yeah, create your own hours. I'm sure like a lot of albums are done at three and four in the morning. Yeah. You know, just hanging out in the uh, in the studio and getting that vibe and feeling yeah. it. So. Yeah, you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. The only thing, and I'm not saying you are, but the thing is, I think about. Los Angeles is that, or Southern California, it's so nice out. It's more of like a get-up-early kind of town. Yeah. Whereas New York is more of a sleep-in, I would think. Yeah. But that's not to say, it's not to take away from sleeping in, in Los Angeles. Whenever, whenever I go to New York, uh, the the time difference, because it's earlier here in Los Angeles, I I find myself staying awake till like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. There. Right, yeah. Which... 
for New York is actually perfect because that's like all my friends there are that's up normal that way are up that late anyway. That's normal to uh, be up till five o'clock in the morning. At uh, we just closed a window. Yeah. A kid next door is learning how to. Brody uh, lives over a daycare center. He's learning to swing <laughs> on the swing. He's set. learning to swing. I'm gonna shut the other window. Let okay. Me, oh, so stick tight. I'm gonna, I'm this, a, go ahead. I'll talk. Uh, as you know now, my guest on uh, the, the the latest episode of Steve Ag uh, is Brody Stevens. Stephen Brody Stevens. Yes, I think you've been on my podcast more than anybody. I think this is probably your third time, maybe fourth. Really? Yeah. I'm honored. We're back, Feral Audio Brothers. You Re- know, recording in uh, Brody's apartment. I've done it a few times so far, so I feel comfortable. I like having people over now. I like entertaining. Yeah. I've had Dustin, our producer, here a couple times. I had Paul Gilmartin over here. I did his podcast, and now I've had you. And you should really leave Feral Audio and start your own network and just record a bunch of podcasts here yeah. i won't tell dustin don't tell dustin no. i'll turn this thing. i'll soundproof this well look i soundproof no it. no you're i was listening to your last uh podcast that you recorded in here it sounds so good it sounds oh, it like a booth like you're in a booth like there's no noise it sounds really yeah. rich rich <clears throat> deep tones yeah. yeah like like beats yeah from uh dr dre yeah metronomes you know i was like bummed out yesterday a little bit i go on like i'll go on playboy radio like uh, it's refreshing to do uh, comedy with friends who aren't uh i'm not into the insult stuff so much you know i'll work i hate it i'll work i mean i i respect jeff ross and i like it he's great at it and i think there's some young guys great at it but sometimes it it doesn't put you you you, in, in a good position you did the burn, right? I did the burn. Yeah. Like when Jeff Ross rips you, it helps your show out. It actually, it's funny. You're honored, and it's cool. Like for yeah. Jeff Ross to roast you, yeah. and then even some of the young kids. For me personally, yeah. But I go on this radio show, and when you're on a radio show, and you're getting roasted, and you're a guest on, like I did Playboy Radio, and I'm not knocking the host Kevin Klein at all, but I never get good positive feedback from Playboy Radio because I go in there. It's like he's the host, and it's his audience, yeah. and they're there all the time. So if he if he rips on me and I defend myself, oh people, yeah, yeah, it's like his fans attack me. You yeah. know, Brody's the worst. And Even why, when he's just joking. Yeah, I mean he is joking. He likes to bust balls, but because that it's on his radio show, and he is busting balls, and I'm a guest. I get negative feedback. It's like I don't want to be put in those situations. Yeah. It's like when I first did some of these podcasts on the Death Squad Network, you know, with Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and Red Band and all that stuff. I did a couple podcasts, and I learned my lesson, meaning that you got a you know a podcast is an art form, and I came at it a different way, and it may or may not have been funny, but I got so much hate mail and negativity yeah. and i'm learning to you know do you get hate mail at all oh, God, do you get yeah. you do you know it's funny talk, mentioning that i uh todd berry uh, the comedian who is we're friends with um we have this weird like thing on twitter or instagram where we'll write insults to each other jokingly you know what i mean like i uh i posted um 
a photo on Instagram of a, a script that I had that had no dialogue on it. It was seven pages. I had an audition for a show with no dialogue. And so I, I Instagrammed a photo of it and said, seven pages, no dialogue. That's a first for an audition. And I, I think Todd commented something like, uh, oh, glad to see you getting into um, extra work. Right. And he's joking. But then fucking people who follow him, who are fans of him but don't know me, just immediately like, yeah, fuck you, asshole. Like, just like, where does that fucking come from? Wait, started ripping Todd? Me. You. Yeah. For? For no reason. Just when someone that they like insults somebody, then everyone just jumps in. Gotcha. You, you know insulted I mean? Todd in a fun, friendly way, and his fans did Some of his fans may no, not have done No, he insulted it. me. He insulted you by saying the extra Jokingly. word. Jokingly. But then all his fans who aren't aware that we're friends just immediate and this always happens on twitter with us why would that i don't understand that mentality of a fan okay so so if the fan you follow rips somebody else and in a joking way but they don't realize it's a joke a few of them they'll pile on and attack too yeah you know i've heard stuff with that or you know regarding death squad brian and joe rogan that network and I, i'm death squad for life don't don't ever think i'm not guys i love you but they can they can attack mm-hmm. like you there, there are there's like internet clans out there yeah. who will uh go after people yeah and that's why i don't talk to celebrities on uh or even my personal friends all that much on twitter you know it's hard to get sarcasm yeah. or yeah. it's like if they really know you and I'm nervous I get nervous around to be honest I do get nervous around c- celebrities for some reason I thought I never did but I get nervous when it when push comes to shove in terms of what was what was who's the last celebrity you got nervous around well it's just asking I was just thinking like you said you did a podcast with Gina Gershon on the beach uh-huh. you know I, I w- wouldn't I mean, I don't know what your relationship is with her. I mean, I know a few people. I met people. her on a movie. We worked together. Oh, so you became I, I never would have, like, just randomly asked her to do a podcast. Right. Otherwise. I figured you were friends with her. Yeah. And you're friends with some other people. But yeah. I get nervous about asking comedians on my show. Yeah, I mean, I, me too. You do? Oh, yeah, yeah. People that I don't know, especially. But even if I know them, I would... I, I, yeah. I, I'm That's ner- why, dude, this is, like, my first podcast, first episode in, like, probably like a month or two you, because you've been, busy. I, you've been what you've been vining not even yeah i've been vining but also like i just i fucking hate asking people to do it or i'll ask yeah, but you know i i don't i like doing it i don't yeah mind. but i'll ask somebody and they'll be like oh yeah yeah totally and then i'll, I'll say what about this week and they'll be oh this week's bad uh can we do it you know maybe you know the week after or something and then i will just not ask them again because well, i'm like uh they don't want to do it well you know scheduling's tough yeah, that that's a given. Scheduling is tough, but the fact that you asked him in the first place is something that I wouldn't yeah. necessarily do. It's like I would be nervous to ask, for example, Mark Marin to be on my podcast, even though he's you know most people want to be on his, but yeah, for him to be on mine would make me nervous. Yeah, I know that even Chris D'Elia, for example, very uh, funny comedian, mm-hmm. good guy. I like to bust his balls. He's on Whitney. He takes it. He wants to be on my podcast. I'm like a little nervous, you know. Can I, you know, I could joke around with Chris in passing at the comedy store, but 
to have somebody on for an hour yeah. and you're talking with them. <laughs> yes. You know, it's that's kind of nerve wracking. Yeah. So a lot of times that's why lately I've been just doing my own yeah. kind of podcast and yeah. having my friends on. But I, I know that I mean, I do and I do have some friends who have followers and what have you, but. It's ner- I get nervous around a- asking for those yeah. kind of favors. If when, it is a when favor. When I did that podcast with Gina, like I realized when I had asked her, we just worked, you know, for a week on something together. So I didn't know her that well. And I was like, "Yeah, would you do it?" And she's like, "Yeah, sure." And then I immediately got nervous like driving over to record it. I was like, "I don't fucking know this person. What am I going to fucking talk about? What if she doesn't really have anything to say? This could be really awkward." You know what I mean? Yeah, but don't, I mean, you you are fairly successful in your vine, your vine, <laughs> your 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 acting, your comedy, your yeah. improv, your social skills. I, I mean, I guess you doubt yourself, but you could also say that you know. Sometimes I doubt myself before I do comedy, but then you just realize that you've done it so many times; it's going to end up being fine. Yeah, because you've you've done it so many times, right? So, but you still get really nervous and, yeah. and par- you know, parent, not paranoid, but. Well, because most of the podcasts I've done have been with friends like with you where I, I know I'll be able to bullshit and talk for a while about anything. Right. Whereas if it's somebody who like, I don't know, I, I get worried. Like, I really don't know anything about this person, so I don't know what to ask them. So how did it go with Gina Gershon on the it was, beach? It was great. She was fine. Did yeah. she come by herself? No, she was in. She lives in New York, so she was here working on Mark Marin's uh, IFC show. Oh, okay. And she was staying at a friend's house in Malibu, so I drove out there to uh, Malibu. Mm-hmm. And you just sat in the sand. No, we sat on uh, whoever's house she was staying at. They had a, a. It was right on the beach, and so we sat on the deck over the ocean. <laughs> It was really surreal. And what did you talk to her about? The film that you worked on? Yeah, a book. She has a book out. We talked about that. Um, Just uh, movies and shit. So it's easy. Once you get past that first few minutes of like, wow, this is Gina Gershon. She's a celebrity or what have you. Yeah. You just keep going. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I could see that being nerve wracking. That's how it would be maybe with some. Yeah, if I didn't know somebody, I guess. But yeah. Other comedians, I'm I'm nervous about asking them to do anything with me. It's just like I've always been that way where I've always respected, and it's not even a fear thing, but somebody who's older than me. It's always been like I'm in ninth yeah. grade, you're in tenth grade, uh, you tell me what to do. I've always had that <laughs> men- mentality. Yeah. I'm always like I feel like I'm still a rookie. I don't I don't I don't until until recently, I feel like I'm a veteran, but I've always had that rookie vibe. And then also, yeah, me too. You know, it's like, for example, asking Patton Oswalt to do something. I, I know he wants to be on my podcast, but I would get, I mean, it would probably be fine once we got through an hour or what have you, but that's nerve wracking to me. And I got to get over that. You got to get over thinking about it. I'm that same way where I feel like, like the ninth grade, 10th grade thing, but not even with age, but like, Somebody who's like, if I'm interviewing some some somebody or just even hanging out with somebody in the same business who's like actually working and making a good living doing it, I f- immediately feel like a child and that they're like an adult. Like, uh, 
like Ken Marino was, I was renting his guest house. You and you did some podcasts there, but he and I are almost the exact same age, like a month apart. We're the same age, and the fact that I was paying him rent, you know, he was working on. I, I, it felt more like a father son thing to me. You know what I mean? Even though he was a month older than me. Because you were paying him rent and did it, was I it? I felt like the slacker kid living in the in the back house, you know? Really? Just, yeah. just the living arrangements? Not the fact, not the fact that he just, was doing well? Well, that too, just everything. Professionally, like he had a wife and two kids. Right, a wife and two kids. And I'm like, just this stoner living in, in the fucking guest house. And that got to you? It didn't get to me, but it, I felt it felt more like a father son relationship. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And that's not a bad thing, no. necessarily. No, no. I would be, you know, it's sometimes hard to, uh, you know, you definitely don't want to compare yourself. It's, I feel like I have a problem with that, comparing myself to people who are making money. A lot of yeah. my comparisons are, you know, money, career. That, I mean, normal stuff. It's just like you got to be. I know it sounds silly. It's like you got to be the best you can be. And, you know, maybe some, I'm not talking about Ken, but maybe somebody's married and has two kids and they have their own, everyone has their own problems and all that stuff. But yeah, I can see how it brings you down. It brings me down when I come. But it's natural to compare yourself no, it's, in, it's in this business worst. because you have to set a, a goal for yourself of like, I want to be doing this. I want to be acting or I want to be performing this much. And the best way to do that is by using other people as examples who are doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess that. I mean, that's a way to do it. You know, there's so many comedians. I guess all comedians you ask, they go, how'd you get into comedy? And they go, I I was a fan of this guy. I used to study all his comedy. I used to watch him on TV all the time. My approach, and maybe this is a good thing and a bad thing somewhat, is that, I wouldn't say a bad thing, but I was an athlete. I played baseball. I was so into sports. I was so micro-focused on being the best baseball player I could be. And I took that all the way up until the point I was 23. And then I shifted gears and got into comedy. And I would be... I was more influenced by my... The comedians performing with them. I was influenced by them, the uh, just comedians you may or may not know, but it wasn't like I studied Richard Pryor albums or I was studied every a Dice album. I list, you know, I saw a special yeah. and all that, but yeah. I liked wrestling. I liked Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> I liked... I um, love Beavis and you know, Butthead. It was just like, that's what I was into, but I was so focused on baseball and I think that... Um, that I'm just not. I don't know how I got into this conversation. What was the topic? Compar- topic, please. Comparing yourself to uh, other people in the. Yeah, you just can't. You can't do it. You gotta just um, I, set I your own goals, and uh... I just try to be funny. I mean, I have goals. Like I'll have goals in terms of like, okay, I want to have a website done by a certain point, or I need to have a website done, or I need yeah. to have my headshots. I need. I mean, I do to do lists, which are kind of goals. And I also feel like just for me, it's like, just be funny, be a nice guy, don't reinvent the wheel. It kind of comes from that John Wooden basketball uh, approach. And also from my baseball approach when I was in college is like, it's just always prepare, 
I went to John Wooden basketball camp in sixth grade. There you go. Connection. Bingo. <laughs> yes. Uh, Push and believe. Pyramid where was that? Where? Riverside, was no, it? No, no, no. It was, we went to the same place. His basketball camp was going on at the same place where the Dallas Cowboys had. Thousand Oaks. Thousand Cal Oaks. Lutheran. That's where it was. Okay, so you went to that. You played basketball? Yeah. I mean, I know you're tall, obviously. Yeah. How, what, uh, how old were you? This was sixth grade. And did you want to go to this? Were you forced to go? Did you know yeah, John I had, Wooden? Yeah, I had some friends that were going to go, and I was like, oh, yeah, this would, this would be a fun, you know, like summer camp type thing. And you got to meet John Wooden and yeah. see him and listen yeah. to him? Wow, that's yeah, pretty yeah. cool. And what was his philosophy? He had, uh, oh, what was the, what's the thing he's famous for? Like a pyramid of pyramid success. Pyramid of success. Yeah. Which I don't remember at all. Yeah, I have it in his book. I may even have it right up here somewhere. But yeah, that was his big thing about preparation. And yeah. I think it, it, the same thing can somewhat apply to comedy, I suppose. is like you, 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 I, I personally just try to be the funniest I can be. And, you, you know, that's it. Other people are maybe more smarter about it. They go up more at a business approach yeah. and they go more at it like I'm going to please the crowd yeah which may not be the funniest but it's more massive yeah i just try to be the funniest i i can be i guess without trying maybe to be you funny. should uh draw out a brody stevens pyramid of comedy that'd be funny pyramid of humor but, but i don't know i i can't go on record or and say go on record i don't know why <laughs> people think i'm funny i don't know what you know what it why people think I'm funnier and I can't judge myself. Yeah. And then the other thing that comes into play is like maybe I'm not that funny. I mean if I was super funny, I'd be more famous. Uh, I don't know. Or I'm just people. going at it at my own my own pace like yeah. slowly but surely building up because I did audience warm up for, you know, 9 years and I was basically I look at it that way, I was out of the loop in terms of having stand-up comedy or even podcasting on the the, the top the the you know the front burner whereas when you're doing audience warm-up yeah you're getting mic time you're getting stage time you get to meet all these people involved with the shows yeah. you're getting paid it is a grind because you're putting out that energy yeah. so at night you are you know you kind of take what you can get but you're not you don't want to burn at both ends of the candle so your comedy stand-up doesn't uh, grow as much because you're physically have to kind of like watch it yeah. and then psychologically it's like wow I just got two hours of mic time I got to do a few jokes I got to do crowd work I got to you know like I said meet industry people and I got paid a few bucks so I, I was in that world for nearly nine years and I felt like that kind of I'm not going to say stifled but it did you know, held me back in terms of me being more mainstream or more popular. And I'm learning that now. I'm learning how to be more mainstream without changing who I am or or, or changing my voice or what that, was that your what was your first audience warm up gig? Uh, I was at Best Damn Sports Show, a couple test shows. It was on Fox Sports. You know, I was uh, 
I got that gig. My that was the first one, and I just like so many people, uh, nobody realizes what an audience warm up is. Whenever you do a live taping and yeah. there's a crowd, most productions, yeah, most TV shows will hire a warm up to keep the audience warm and even non comedy shows, even on. Really? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. Like court shows, maybe, or... Yeah. Uh, um, well, sports shows. Well, we were a sports comedy, but, yeah. you know, sports shows these days, you know, there's always humor involved. But that show, for example, well, yeah, you go to talk, talk shows, they have... Serious talk shows yeah. have a warm-up. Yeah. You know, I'm, a Martha Stewart show had a warm-up. Yeah. So, but... Yeah, I got into that because I was doing stand-up, and when I moved back here to L.A., I basically had... I did have two credits that I got pretty quick. I got um, Craig Kilborn Late Show, and I did Premium Blend on Comedy Central. So, but those two credits early on in my first six months of living here, yeah, got me into the clubs. Like the got me past at least at yeah. the Improv, at the Laugh Factory, at the Comedy Store. Yeah, so I got past at these clubs. And but I would you know just because you're past doesn't mean you get great spots so right, uh, right. or any so I was still oh you know hustling doing book shows doing the youth hostel doing my no I wasn't doing warm excuse me this is before was this the youth hostel in Coenga yeah Coenga the banana bungalow is that the well, one I did the, actually Matt Eisman from uh, the the housekeeping shows or the Ninja Warrior thing he yeah. used to run the banana bungalow which is no longer there it's nothing there yeah. yeah nothing well they're building something now but that's over on what Coenga or Highland or whatever just it past is. the Hollywood Bowl yeah but I would do the one on Schrader Hollywood Youth Hostel and that was on Wednesday and Sunday nights and that show yeah I was um, I really liked doing that one that was fun and they what kind of people went to was it foreigners like. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. It was a lot of Germans. It was a lot of... Pol I mean, it was German, Australian, UK, some American. Was it like... Would local people go? Like uh, comedy no, people go I to mean, watch? You couldn't get in. I mean, the only way you could get into the show is if you were a comedian on the list. I mean... Fuck. I mean... It, security over the years has gotten stronger and stronger there, meaning like harder to get your friends in. It's always been that way because it's a, it's a youth hostel. They just can't have people coming in and out. But it's right. a captive audience, and I would do that show a lot, and that really helped me with, you know, crowd work because you – and you really have to connect with these kids because they don't know anything outside of, uh, you know, a five-mile radius of the youth hostel. Yeah. So if you're like me and you talk to them, you know, and it's fun to talk about their own country, too. And I play it like, uh, you know, I'm this mean, not mean American, but I'm this like ignorant, American. ignorant American. That's my angle. And they have a good time with it. So that that room really helped me quite a bit. Um, and I was doing that during the warm up gig. But I got the warm up gig basically, um, you know, I was here like six months, seven months. And I had a couple I was passed, like I said, in a couple TV spots, and I know my mom was getting on me. Steven, you need to start working and making money because I was living at the condo at home at a good yeah. deal. And I said, look, I just feel like something good's going to happen. And I was doing yeah. a show on Wednesday nights or whatever with Rich Williams and Brian Burke. It was uh, in Gower Gulch next to Tiger Lily. Oh, yeah, yeah. now. And I would do these bringer shows. You bring a couple people. At first, I did that, and then it became... You know, they just let me host and have fun there. Anyway, Rich yeah. Williams, one of the guys that ran the show, he said, hey, Brody, I'm he would tell me I'm working on this show. 
that is like a sports comedy show, Saturday Night Live meets sports. You just keep me updated on it. And then after a few weeks, he happened to call me out of the blue. I mean, we would talk once in a while, but he said, what are you doing this afternoon? I said, nothing. He says, uh, you want to do like talk, warm up this audience? I don't know if you're going to get paid or anything. And I said, yeah. So, I mean, I was excited to be able to go to a TV show or well. this is the year 2000. Or 2001 at this point. Yeah. And I did the two test shows. They liked it. And they said, hey, we're, we're going to use an audience warm-up in the crowd. you want to do it? I said, yeah. I mean, take the gig. Yeah, of course. You know, of I course. get to meet athletes. And it's a paid gig. And I'm yeah. on the mic. It's like, wow. And basically, I did, you know, a thousand shows there Jesus at Best Damn Sports Show. And then once I got into that. How many that, years was that? About five years we did. God damn, that's crazy. Yeah, and I, you know, I learned a lot. I cut my teeth there, and I learned about you know professionalism and corporate and yeah. keeping it clean and dealing with talent and dealing with crew. And then I went on to do warm up at most notably Chelsea. Lately, I did that. I mean, I had done a ton of other shows too, pilots and little three three day deals. But Chelsea was a, a different animal. Like they were there you know, to see Chelsea. So I had to kind of mold the audience. Where at Best Damn Sports Show, I had to kind of like pick them up and drive them and push them the whole way. It was like really, you know, cut my teeth there and uh, yeah. it helped with crowd work and all. But like I said, like when you're doing all that, when you're doing audience warm-up, it, it takes away from your stand-up, I think, in terms of thinking you're a stand-up, because you're oh you're ne they're never there to see you. It's a, it, it could be a, a blast to your ego. Like yeah. you, you know these fans are not there to see you. They're there to see the people on the show. The people on the show are probably making a couple extra bucks than you. And but you got to know that you're important. And that's what I always was. It was like I never had like I should be on this show. I'm funnier than them. Yeah. But over time, it could mess it could mess with your ego a little bit. And if you're a performer, you got to have a little bit of an ego. And I just yeah. felt like for me personally, I was kind of, you know, growing out of the warm up game, so to speak, when I uh, stopped working at Chelsea. And I seem to be doing more warm up now a couple of years later, but I'm able to. You know, I, I'm more mellow with my warm-up. I'm able to, like, yeah, I put out energy, but it's nothing like uh, I'm more mellow with it. So yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, I'll do warm-up. I specifically don't look for warm-up gigs, but I'll take them. Because yeah. now I'm doing more TV things or road gigs. But I'm also more, as I'm more mature, I know how to, like, not drain myself so much. Yeah. More of just, like... If one guy's not clapping, I don't care. Whereas before, it would like, drive me nuts and I'd be That'd sweating. That would be the one you would focus on, that person. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's like, now I don't care. And that's part of, like, just being more mature and maybe, I mean, you know, different medication, whatever. I remember I would work at Chelsea and I'd, like, be, I'd be sweating and, like, worked up. It was like, whoa. <laughs> and that might have been from, like, me exercising, like, residual effects from that. Yeah. Who knows? But that I was worked up on and I same thing when I would do my comedy I would sweat and get into it and now that I'm older a little more mellow I think some of it is the medication it's therapy yeah. it's structure it's like having confidence and knowing that you know you don't need to be all sweaty and attacking and you know <laughs> right. that's the thing I'm still myself on stage I have like this um, 
you know, I can be like high energy, but I'm doing it with a, it's with a wink, it's with the smile. Yeah. It's, it's those line. It's not a blurred line. Whereas before they would go, I don't know, is he really mad? Is he really angry? I'm scared. Whereas now they know, it, it, it's not. It's a joke because I smile and I'm more calm and. You know, it's just like with anything, whether it's sports or baseball or life, you put the time in, you dedicate it, you know, you're going to get better. And, you know, a lot of it's luck and belief and, you know, show business is, uh, you know, it's stressful to begin with. And then when you have your own, you have, you know, you know, show business is stressful. Stand up comedy is stressful. Comedy is stressful. Yeah. you know, life is stressful, you know, and then if you have your own issues yeah. that, um, you know, are, 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 you know, brought out by stress or whatever, or, you know, mental problem, it, it's tough, but you got it. You know, it's all about, I'm learning coping skills. I'm learning, you know, even, even as I get older, it's like, get up, go do structure, exercise, yeah. go to the coffee house and, you know, I think work is a good thing. I understand. Like, I could see why people like to work. Speaking of exercise, what yeah. what is that thing? Well, I have like a foam a, the the foam roller or the, the thing it's leaning that on. Looks it looks like, like a walker for, for dips. Is it for doing dips? Yeah, it's one of those things called the rack. It they have the, it's an infomercial for it. You can do dips and push ups, and people make fun of it. Like it looks like a walker, but I use it. <laughs> it does I use it pretty much to do dips on it. And dips are, you know, when you, you know, work your triceps, work your chest. So it's, it's nice to be able to have that here in my living room. Whereas my, I know I'm talking a lot. I want to, am I talking too much? No, Steve? no, you can tell me. it's fucking great for me. <laughs> no, I don't mind because I just don't want to, like when I did, like I said, I did that, the show yesterday, Playboy Radio and oh, yeah. I was feeling like, oh, maybe I was talking too much. Do they have play, playmates in there when you're doing it? Yeah, or like aspiring playmates that get topless and all that. Really? Yeah. What? what where can you find play? Is it, is it a serious? Is it on serious? Playboy Radio is on XM Serious, and the I think the last hour they shoot on Playboy TV, so you get to be on TV or their channel or. But there's topless chicks. Yeah, it's cool. That's amazing. You know, I had fun with the show. Actually, I did uh, Sam Tripoli's Naughty Podcast. He does. Uh, mm. He's done like 150 of them, and it's more like, yeah, it's adult-themed. I'll do like any podcast. I, I, I'm i kind of like... Is it like... Uh, not any podcast, but... Is it like Colin's Sleazy Friends of podcasting? Um, do you remember Colin's Sleazy Friends? Yeah, I mean, he was before my time. I was up in Seattle, but I knew about him. I knew about his cable access show. Yeah. Uh, I had met him a couple times, and my friend Tana became friends with him, but I wonder what he's up to now, Colin. <laughs> I don't know. But I uh, I went with Sarah Silverman once. She was a guest on it. And and for those listening, Colin's Sleazy Friends was a, a public access cable show uh, with this guy, Colin Malone. And I think Dino Stamatopoulos was on it, too. No, no. But there was a guy named Dino. Right. Who's like a sidekick with him. It wasn't Dino Stamatopoulos, though. But um, he would interview porn stars. That was his big thing. And comedians sometimes. And I, I went once with Sarah Silverman, who, who was on as a guest with some porn stars. And I just remember getting really uncomfortable because <laughs> I think Sarah started making fun of, you know, the porn stars and like... I, I I can't remember because it's been like twelve years or, yeah. or more, but uh, 
so fucking awkward and hilarious. He was popular. I yeah. mean, that was when cable access was. Uh, I mean, the internet is as you know, people don't talk about you know things like you know the internet's killed cable access. They say you know. The, oh yeah, yeah. They said the internet. The internet has killed radio. Not radio. It's killed uh, newspapers, for example. The internet has killed newspapers. Well, and it's killing the post office too. And it's killing cable access television. You wouldn't have known of Colin Sleazy friends. Yeah. I mean, you'd probably have something on the internet. I mean, it just seems like there's tons of shows out there on the internet and it's like i've spoken about this on different podcasts i just feel it's like yeah it's more democratic it's 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 numbers based yeah it's not necessarily um you know art based but it it's like everyone gets a piece of the pie i guess you know hopefully and i i like that that approach like if you're funny you find your audience your niche audience and you don't have yeah. to be a multimillionaire. but you know what if you're funny and you're bringing enjoyment to enough people this system the way it is now i feel the yeah. internet and the day and the you know age we live in now you you can be compensated for what you're putting out there yeah and it may not be like okay i'm a multimillionaire. i'm a movie star i'm in uh, you know i'm in you know tv shows and all that but you can kind of with donations and right. t-shirts and i mean you gotta you have to at least try i mean right. that's something where i say okay that's something i aspire to i mean i aspire to the fact that that opportunity is out there right. specifically i may not you know it's just it just it's just good to have in the back of your mind knowing that if you, I know it sounds silly, if you build it, they'll come. You can build your audience. Mm-hmm. And it may, you know what? And, and it, I mean, you do look at Twitter and it's like, that's something where you can, that's a comparison thing also. Like, you know, followers. Everybody knows how many followers they have. Yeah. There's something about that. Yeah. Well, Rob Delaney really, you know, made Twitter work for him. I mean, yeah, you see that. You see Rob. I mean, but he's like one guy. There's like maybe 10 people who totally took Twitter to another level. They, yeah. you know, they, they, they won Twitter. They, they got yeah. it. They, yeah. you know, got, you know, Rob Delaney to Twitter is what Dane Cook was to Facebook. And I'm not comparing Dane Cook to Rob Delaney, but right. just in terms of like blowing Using up. it as, yeah. And you know what? All, all Rob Delaney's great. Yeah. He's great. He's funny. He's yeah. smart. He's political. He's. And then he's uh, been able to use it to go on the road. I think that's somebody to look at in terms of a, I don't know if aspire, because you can't, you know, it's like his, his tweets, the way he thinks or whatever, what he writes, it just, it's good. Yeah. So, I mean, you could aspire to be what, a better writer, or do you aspire to get more fans like him? I I feel like you got to aspire to be the best you can be. And then you you got to enjoy it too. You got to enjoy your enjoy life. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And I feel like, you know, I played baseball. I have baseball friends. I have baseball connections. I know yep. people like have music friends and interests outside of yeah. of comedy. So I don't feel like, well, I'm Mister Know It All. I know everybody, <laughs> and I takes up a lot of my time. But I just think that. You know, podcasting is great too. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm. This is something that's been, you know, great for me. Yeah. And I think great for a lot of comedians and just being able to talk and the feedback that I get. Yeah. On email and, I mean, it helps me mentally. 
because I wanted to ask you last okay, time I sure. saw you, but I forgot. Sure, Steve, who did the theme song to your uh, your podcast, the Festival of Friendship theme song? Clownvis. Oh, that's Clownvis. Clownvis wrote it. Yeah, it's a, it's great, really catchy. Steve and Brody Stevens. It's a fun I need to listen to it again for uh, I, uh, refresh my mind. I recently became familiar with Clownvis. I, I did a show with him at the Improv, and uh, he's so fucking funny. It's funny, right? It's yeah. fun. It's funny. It's it's good natured. And you went and you know before I knew who he was, and I saw you know I was doing a. Kyle Dunnigan had a show at the Improv, and and I was on it in Clownvis, and I was like, Clownvis? I'm like, what? And I saw a guy, it was a guy in makeup and stuff, and I was like, oh man, this this might be horrible. Right, could be. And he was fucking hilarious. Hilarious. The audience loved him. Hilarious, and the grandson of the late Earl Weaver, manager of the Baltimore Orioles. No, for real? Yeah. He's like his first grandson. Like, that's his no mom's shit. dad. Or like, his he probably went to a bunch of games, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, we were talking. He was a big growing up, and Orioles, and they were huge. And Earl Weaver was a crazy manager and a respected manager. And he, and he just passed away recently, which was kind of sad. But yeah. I knew that. Clown, yeah, that's Clownvis's grandson. No shit. I mean, grandfather. So... We talk baseball. I like baseball. It's in my blood. I like being around baseball. You know, ideally, you know, if I can get a job in baseball, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Like being able to be an announcer or travel around with the team. I, I like that. But I also like music. I have so many different interests. And, yeah. You know, it's you got to follow. <clears throat> you got to. I'm not going to say follow your dreams, but. You know, I have these different interests, and I just keep pushing for you know, keep pushing forward and try to like work them all in together. Yeah. You know, I like baseball. I like comedy. Can I somehow combine them? You know, and you do though. Yeah, I do. I do. I I always think like what what it's like. You know, there's people that don't do any kind of art, and like they're just fans. Yeah. They just listen. Yeah. You know, that's what most of America is. Most of America. They're not in coffee shops writing. They're not yeah. going out doing stand-up comedy. They're doing not, their nine-to-five job. Yeah, and... they're not doing podcasts. They don't. They don't. You know, they may be. It may inspire a few people, but um, it's kind of weird sometimes. Like when you talk to regular people, and then yeah. you think like, "Wow, these guys!" And they make more money. <laughs> yes, there's more stability. I can't tell you how many weddings I've gone to of people who I went to like high school or college with, who were just punk idiots like me when we were in high school, and now they're fucking doctors and they're making shitloads of money. It's really weird to see, but they're also now like Republican, very conservative. They go to church, right? You know, like I I had a, a friend who. This, this girl I went to high school with who, like, turned me on to so much, you know, amazing music and punk and, like, all... And she was just, like, really, like, a, a free spirit and just kind of wild and um, reconnected on Facebook, you know, like, a few years ago. And it's like, oh, she's married, has kids, they're conservative Christians... And I and this was when Obama was first running for president, and I would post a lot of stuff about Prop Eight, like vote no on Prop Eight type stuff, right? On on my Facebook, the the gay amendment, and um, 
I, I remember once she emailed me. She's like, Steve, what's the big deal? She's like, who cares? And so I wrote this really long email about like how it's basic human rights, you know, and and there are people that we went to high school with who I still am in contact with a few who are gay, who when we were in high school, you didn't know that because they were terrified to be out like people, you know, and I was like people that you were very good friends with who were gay. You want to deny your friends basic human rights and like all this stuff. And then she unfriended me. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was your manifesto. Yeah. She unfriended you. I, I don't get involved, you know. I got burnt politically. I was on this uh, private uh, email list that started, this is back in, when I lived in New York, so maybe before 2000. This is like 1998, 99, and it's like a secret list, and mm -hmm. it's a bunch of comedians, and successful guys and we all were start we weren't when we started really successful a couple guys had writing jobs but yeah. i would say virtually everybody on the list is fairly successful with families and yeah. writing jobs and all that kind of stuff and i remember in 2000 or the election i you know i'm i'm a little um you know i'm not I'm a, I have some, you know, conservative leanings, you know, at times. I'm, I'm just being honest. Yeah. And that could mean maybe yeah. I'm not educated. I'm not smart. I'm a bad person. I don't know. But at least I'm being honest. And it could be like, okay, I was raised blue collar in the valley. I didn't. I wasn't bar mitzvah. Then I went to Arizona State. I was around that. And I knew. I knew in my heart that I wanted to experience after growing up in the Valley and then going to Arizona State, I had at least in the right mind, was in the right frame of mind to say, I want to go to Seattle. I want to experience art. I want to experience pierced ears. I want to cool. experience yeah. colored hair and different people, things and that grunge. I didn't get to do. Exactly. <laughs> well, grunge was dying out, but, you know, that was a thing about being around baseball. It really is a uh, it's uh, it's a wasteland for uh, uh, you know any you know any artistic. And yeah. I forget. There's a real it's, um, intellectual wasteland. I think is what, yeah. what, the, what the term is. But I got I was so much into that and, and you know that jock lifestyle tied in with Arizona State. Yeah. And so I just when I went to Seattle, it really like opened me up and made yeah. me more. I was still like in Seattle. I was still kind of, uh, you know, I was young. I was still had that jock, jock yeah. on me, but you know, I don't get angry. I remember just on the secret list. I, I was like a little more cause everyone was so liberal. It's like, if anyone is like out of their way, liberal was my reaction to like coil and yeah. just, like say something. Yeah. Now it's like, I just don't want the the issue. I don't want the problem. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm not. I don't really consider myself democrat a, a Democrat, but I, and definitely not a Republican. I I just consider myself. You know, like I I go with whatever I feel is you know right. You know yeah. what I mean? And like like I'm a registered Republican. Oh, you are. Yeah, because you just lost. Some <laughs> no, even though I, I completely don't agree wow. with Wow. My it was because when I turned eighteen, my dad took me to register to vote. He's like, on it might have been on my eighteenth birthday. He's like, we're gonna go register you to vote. And I was like, all right. He's like, 
we're filling out the the shit and he's like uh check republican i'm like he told you to yeah i was like all right because i didn't give a shit right and i didn't know the difference between democrat and republican yeah i was like they're all politicians they're all full of shit so you I was knew like, that back then kind of just the same way i was with religion I, at a very young age like i grew up christian but at a very young age i was like this is craziness i never and my dad i went to church with my dad one year 1982 and i, I missed the rams season you gotta <laughs> i like football You're oh, gonna... all season you were going to church yeah all oh, season yeah, these yeah. sundays my dad was into that so i went with him but oh. it was like i've just never been into religion yeah and judaism or christianity or catholicism i just feel like i'm spiritual i'm in the moment yeah maybe that's a cop-out maybe when i pass away i'm gonna end up going nowhere but i'm just being honest my yeah. instincts tell me yeah i think there is a something greater i don't know what it is exactly yeah but i don't have any you know, it's like I just don't believe deep into that religion. It just doesn't. I mean, I, I'd rather I, mean, yeah. I feel positive energy from people and you want yeah. to be supportive and you want to be have empathy. And but just the religious stuff kind of like throws me off a little bit. And I yeah. think that's normal these days. Yeah, people. me too. I it's. Um, yeah, I. I uh, and I could talk about it for forever. You know, I went to religious schools all through elementary school and high school. And but there's really nothing I can say that a million comedians haven't already brought up about, you know, how how'd they get all those animals on the ark and, you know, all that kind of shit. And, it, you know, it's weird because, you know, these the, the Christians like they're, you know, Usually anti-gay, anti-marijuana, uh, anti-pornography, anti... It's a lot of anti-stuff. And then I think that that's, that's prevalent in baseball. That's why I get weirded out sometimes around baseball. But I think, I think overall as a society, I think we're becoming a little more tolerant um, uh, regarding things. Or maybe not. I don't know. Another issue I won't get involved in is with this guns, the gun stuff. Yeah. That's only a personal thing because... You know, when I had my episode 16, 17 months ago, I mentioned, you know, having a gun, which yeah. I didn't have a gun, and I never thought of having a gun, but I did mention gun. So anytime I hear, like, mental illness and gun, it kind of, like, yeah. bums me. Not bums me out a little bit, but I want to distance myself from yeah. guns. I want to keep my mental illness, if I have one. I do take medication. Sure. If you talk to my doctor, she says, oh, you're bipolar. And I did have a bipolar manic. I had a manic episode. Sure. But I also feel that was brought on from me stopping my meds cold turkey. And I talked Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. I talked about it on a, a million podcasts. I yeah. just did it the wrong way and I didn't have the supervision and the timing of it and some of the pressure I was feeling it just and not having the coping skills yeah. um, it just kind of and then going off your meds cold turkey yeah. and and then also taking an antibiotic and then having the outlet of Twitter to uh, be there it was just like uh, a perfect storm for me and uh, well, I did I <laughs> did that last week where I my prescription ran out and uh 
like it stays in your system for a few days. So yeah. I, they're like two days where I was like, oh, I'll, I'll call my doctor. I'll get my prescription refilled tomorrow. And then the next day I had shit to do. And I was like, I'll do it tomorrow. Next thing I know, it's been like five days that I've been off it. And I start feeling really like weird, wobbly and weird and like getting what they call brain zaps. Yeah. Lexapro. I'm not saying what you're on. I mean, I am on you? Lexapro. Okay. Yeah. I hear about brain zaps. Yeah. yeah. And you got to like go through that. Yeah. Too. You know, I would like to get off Lexapro. I mean, I feel like it makes me a little tired. I mean, I take 30 milligrams. Yeah. And I was taking 20 when I stopped cold turkey. Lexapro, I think, makes me tired. Mm-hmm. I think that's a con- I mean, antidepressants make people tired. Yeah. Um, I take 30 milligrams of Lexapro. I take 300 milligrams of Lamictal, and that is the mood stabilizer that I kind of uh, enjoy, which mm-hmm. helps my comedy, which um, has made me more, has mellowed me out. It's a, I don't want to call it a tranquilizer, but I think that and Clonopin is kind of like help me out and i would like to get off this stuff only because you know you you want to be tight first of all you got to pay insurance which i'm paying yeah and then you got to always pick up your stuff you want to be tied into taking these meds your whole life um you know maybe yes i mean it's a hassle but if you have high cholesterol you take that there you do take medication for that those statins seem to work If, if you have diabetes you take insulin that seems to work and if you have a mental issue, for whatever reason, yeah, um, meds do seem to work on a lot of people. And I know people go, oh, smoke, just smoke pot, just smoke pot. That might work too. Maybe combination, maybe no pot at all. But that's one thing that I think about what's going to happen if, yeah, my insurance runs out and I have to pay all this money. It's like that scares me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I try not to think about it. And then also, like, what happens if I went to, like, uh, on safari, I went to Europe? What, I can only go for 30 days? Because that's, I mean, that's a long time. Yeah, anyway. I think about that shit all the time, Because too. What, you got to carry all these meds with you. And is there a CVS pharmacy in, in Paris? <laughs> I don't is know. Is there a CVS pharmacy on the Serengeti? Yeah, and then what happens if you're, and here's the other thing. It's like traveling. What happens if you travel and you, you've got these meds with you and they lose your luggage? Yeah. You know, it's like. Those are the things I think about with my medications because, like I said, I had such a bad experience, scary experience going off my Lexapro cold turkey. But now I have so many um, safety, you know, say, you know, safety poles or whatever you want to call it, safety, you know, safety nets in play. But they all say take your meds. I personally have to show my doctor, and I, and I, I listen to them. I don't fight it. Yeah. I have to show them her, you know, about three more months of stability. Yeah. And I would say I would say I'm fairly stable. Knock on yeah. wood. I'm feeling good. I think work has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I sure. think moving to the valley where I am right now for me has a lot to do with it. Getting out of that studio apartment, getting out of Hollywood, right. being around regular people, being around where I, the energies where I was born, getting a, um, you know, doing the podcasting, doing the merchandise, all the things I'm just, I'm just doing it. And I just had my hands tied. I didn't have my hands tied, but when I was living in my that the over in Hollywood in that dorm, it just brought me down. So I feel a lot better. It's structure. 
taking the meds and like I said, three more months of stability and then slowly wean me off off. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. You know, ideally, you don't want to be on all these things, you yeah. know, your liver and who knows the long term health benefits. Right. But like I said, we're in show business. We have we have life stresses. We got to do Facebook. We've got to do Vine. <laughs> We've got to do Instagram. We've got to do Vine. You've got to do the Twitter. There's so much. You got. You have to podcast. There's so much. You know. That's why you want to get to that point where you don't have to do all these things. You want to get to where you know you're just yeah. really doing what you want, getting paid for. It. You know, just. Yeah. But I would do this for free. I mean, we're doing it for free, and and because it's therapy. You podcast for free. Oh, don't most people? Dustin isn't... Dustin, the producer, he doesn't pay me? Wait, wait, should I... No, oh, no, no. It's... Yeah, he doesn't pay me either. I thought you got paid. <laughs> don't you get Don't you get donations? I guess. I don't... You know, we're probably only... This is probably like the 10th episode or something of my podcast with Farrell. And I've done them so sporadically that I don't think I'm getting done. You know what it is? It's content. It's content. It's content. People want it. That's what they yeah. they uh, they want to hear you all the time. They want to know. It's like these fans. These and, and I, I'm learning that they're finicky. They're they're tough. Like a podcast audience is tough and. You know, it's like, and they'll let you know. That's the other thing. They'll let you know, and it's like, well, fucking check out podcast reviews on iTunes, man, that shit is, you know, you'll have your friends who know you from like the AST message boards and stuff who are like, oh, right. Brody's great. Or, oh, Steve's great. I love this podcast. But then you have people who are just going through, you know, what's new on the comedy podcast on iTunes right. and they click and it's like, you get one star and it's like, this is not fucking funny. This guy's a fucking idiot. Yeah, that that is... Um yeah, I stay off the reviews. I actually had some. I had mostly favorable reviews. I asked Dustin, our producer, I go how the review, how they look on there. He says they're looking good, but cool. Yeah, you know, people. I mean, I hear I, I hear that a lot. For you know, I've mentioned this before. That people, you know, people just don't in this in this country they don't get you at first. They just really do have a short attention span. It's like I don't get you. F you. Yeah, you know, there's so much negativity, and it's quick and easy. You know, they're closed-minded. You know what? I don't. Want, I'm glad. I'm glad you're not my fan. Yeah, I don't want. To, I don't want somebody like you liking me. I'm always amazed at the people who will take the time to write a review. Like, if I click on it, because sometimes I'll click on a podcast. Like, I'll just see the, you know, the banner for someone's podcast on iTunes, and I go, "Oh, what's this?" And I'll click, and if I don't like it, I just fucking stop listening. I don't go, okay, I got to go to fucking write a review of this piece of shit. Right. You know what I mean? I don't like well, putting that fucking negative energy out there. Exactly. Well, I mean, we're artists. I look at it this way. I don't have, I mean, I should probably listen to more podcasts, but I don't. Right. And like I said, I think earlier, these, because we are creative, we are in this game, we are doing all these things. We don't have the time to write a review. I, I I would I would think and um, I probably do have the time. To you can make the time to write a I review. I just don't want to. I'm like, I'm like, why would I write something shitty? You Unless know, it makes you feel better. No, but why would I write something shitty where I know the people who created it 
will most likely go through and go, oh, fuck. Well, what but, it, like, oh, you'll make them feel bad. Yeah. Why do I want to make somebody feel bad when they're just doing something that they want to do? Because you're, cool, you're a good guy. Yeah. You're, but I mean, there are people out there that are like, they don't think about that. They don't think about the person who's going to go on and read it later and go like, oh, f- what a fucking asshole. But they love that. That's the way, you know, you look at commercials, you look at comedy, you look, it's always like, you look at these TV shows, it's always like being mean, picking on somebody, and uh, it's not good-spirited comedy. People like the attack. They like the, the you know, when, when there's a victim. I mean, I guess it's always like the slip on the banana peel thing, but... Yeah. Um, people, yeah, they're just, they're just... Uh, short you know short attention span we know that we're not shocked by it we're you know it's like i'm doing this because people want me to do it they want me to do comedy i always say like i didn't pursue comedy laughter chose me one of my lines (laughs) laughter chose me but it's fun to do it's like i i I like doing audience warm-up i never like get out of there and go i shouldn't be doing this or like this way you know sometimes the gigs are harder but i appreciate you know doing it and you put out good energy and good things do come back to you you know i i feel but look at me what what have i done you've spread positive energy I mean, yeah. That, I mean, there is something about that because I do. I do get emails of like picking, like people going, "Bro, do you picked up my spirits?" And I also know just by going to the comedy store, going to the improv, or going to UCB, that people do get a kick out of seeing me for whatever reason. I don't know why. I don't say, "Well, you know why people like me is because I do this and I do that." Of course, they should like me. I don't know why. I think they just like something about me. Not everybody, but most people. So knowing that. And believing that and harnessing that and putting the time into that, I've learned to be myself and uh, be myself and I be myself and I and use it for good. So I'm happy. I'm exercising. I'm living in the valley. I don't I mean, I don't want to say I'm 100 percent. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? But, you know, I've been on a good run. And it's, yeah. it's, I like podcasting. I've been wanting to do a, another podcast with you, get you on my podcast. Are you able to talk about what, what's happening with your your show? Um, I could talk a little bit. Yeah. You know, the HBO yeah. Enjoy It. Yes. Push and believe. <laughs> you got it. Um, we did a season one, six 15 minute episodes on HBO. Uh, Basically, from what I hear, I let my management and uh, rep- represent representatives handle most of this. But uh, I think the HBO deal was going to be the same kind of thing. Like if I was going to do a season two with HBO, it would have been the same format and probably yeah. still on the digital side. They were kind of tentative. Go. They were tentative about putting it on the network. I mean, we pitched them basically. Why don't we take these ninety minutes? We have three. Um, 90 minutes of content, six 15-minute episodes. So why don't we take, uh, make it three half hours, take those, those the ones we already did, three make them three half hours, and then do seven fresh half hours, and then hopefully have that air on HBO. 
And then ultimately that didn't happen or it was they were balking on that. And that, you know, we kind of aimed high and that's what you got to do. This yeah. is, this is not, don't quote me on all this. And this is um, unverified, but this is the vibe I'm picking up. So then I think Funny or Die became excited about it. People liked it and Funny or Die liked it. And they kind of pushed HBO a little bit, kind of pushed them. And then Comedy Central liked it also. They were a big fan of mine through, yeah. uh, you know, seeing me do warm up and seeing yeah. me do different. Uh, I was on the burn with Jeff Ross. So I think Comedy Central became involved. So now you got Comedy Central and HBO. I mean, Comedy Central and Funny or Die uh, putting pressure on HBO. And I think what's going to happen is that I think I'm going to do something with Funny or Die and Comedy Central and have it be tied into my half hour. I'm taping a half hour on Comedy Central on the 27th of February. Day after my birthday. You got it. Yes. Pisces. Pisces. Fish. And I will be near Fish, Boston. Oh, yeah. You got it. Clam chowder. Eat it up. (laughs) (laughs) See, I can do that. I can do these little runs like that. But I'll be doing that on the 27th of this month and again I forgot what I was talking about what was the topic Uh, tying in your half hour with the oh yeah season two so I have that hopefully that will be an arc and we'll see I've shot a couple things but nothing's nothing's etched in stone I'd like to do some form of season two and or season one A or one B or what have you but it's looking positive and I want to say you know I have to thank Zach. I have to thank my agent, Martin Lisak. I have to thank Dave Rath. I have to thank a lot of people who were, uh, you know, supportive and pushing for this to get done or at least getting, you know, getting close to something being done. Got to thank God. Thank God. Thank uh, that, that, that guy out the there. The big man. Got to thank the big man upstairs. The big man in the sky. <laughs> yes. Push. You got it. Steven Brody Stevens. How much time have we gone? I say we've gone an hour 15. An hour? Seven. Hour seven. Okay. Now an hour eight. Hour eight. I think we're good. My shows are an hour, man. Yeah, you know what? An hour seems right. An yeah. hour, I'm getting hungry myself. Like, I need to have some cereal. I need to exercise. I need to do things. I think an hour was uh, was good. Yeah. And that's what they say about most podcasts. Yeah. Hour. Yeah. I thought it went well. I did too. It might have been uh, our best podcast together yet. Really? Yeah, maybe. Whose fans are going to like it more? Your fans, my fans, our fans. Our fans. Are they going to say that I rambled, I talked too much? No. They're not? No. It's just like had a bad experience yesterday. Maybe they'll say I was too quiet. Which means I talked too much. (laughs) No, I think it was great. It was great. All right. When can we hear this? Next week? Uh, probably in two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah. I, I've got some backed up. Oh, okay. I've been queued. I'm in the queue. Yeah. But it'll be, uh, yeah, early March. Maybe first week of March. Yeah. Come out to my Comedy Central special, February 27th. Yeah. In, if, this, if this is before that. It's not going to be, I don't think. Yeah, you I'll be know. doing Chelsea lately, March 11th. Yes. Enjoy that. Positive push. Beard prepared. Thanks, Brody. You got it, Steve. Push. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. 
It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. 